Imagine being present, calm, and connected while creating a family environment where everyone can thrive. Welcome to the I Am Mom Parenting Podcast, providing inspiration and actionable steps to manifest the meaningful and magical life you desire for you and your family. We are your hosts, Dimple Aurora, founder of Mindful Evolution and Shaista Fateli, founder of Thrive Kids. Thank you for sharing the I Am Mom journey with us. Let's get started. Hi there, and welcome back to the I Am Mom podcast. Today we are talking about poop specifically constipation in general, and particularly constipation in kids. I have my really good friend here today, Jenny June. Jenny, thank you for being with us. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to talk poop with you. Exactly. It's one of our favorite topics. Now, Jenny's a good friend of mine. We met about six years ago when our daughters were in Montessori school, and it was like an instant friendship because Jenny is also a certified nutritionist and she's a mom of two who's passionate about nutrition and she's also passionate about self-love and mental health and she uses her very strong background in science and training in holistic nutritional practices to help people thrive so I cannot think of a better person to be talking about poop with then Jenny. So this is like a dream collaboration for us right now to be having this conversation. So, so excited to have you here. Um, there's so much to, to cover in this topic. And when we think about poop, I mean, some people uh, don't think about their poop. They, they don't look, they don't. they don't look at the toilet before they flush, but it is one of the most important aspects of health. Now, when you work with clients, Jenny, how important do you, uh, how much importance do you put on, on this topic? A lot, a lot <laughs> shortly, but like, if I'm being like, I tell every client right out of the gate, listen, it's going to get uncomfortable. We're going to talk about the toilet. We're going to talk about your poop, what it looks like, how it smells. I need the details. And I, I know for some people it's off-putting because like mm. you said, some people do not look at their poop at all. Mm -hmm. You know, they do their business, they get, they wipe, they get up and they flush and they walk away. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of times I find clients don't even have the answers to the questions I ask because they genuinely don't know. Um, mm -hmm. And, but you know, as a nutritionist, poop is, it's our thing. It sounds gross, <laughs> but we're so comfortable with it. It doesn't phase us. We've heard it all, seen it all. Yes. And it, but at the end of the day, it's a key factor for us to understand what's going on inside, right? Because we can't see it with our naked eyes. So we have to, we, we decipher it from uh, things like poop. Exactly. Like analyzing our poop is so important. And there's so many ways to do that. And I can't wait to talk about them. But it is, it is, it's a huge topic because when you think about it, every single piece of food that we put into our digestive system has to be processed. Yeah. It has to be processed some way. We have to absorb and assimilate those nutrients from that food. And then the waste has to be eliminated. And it's a journey. Yeah. It is yeah. a huge journey. So when you think about poop, um, good poop, right? What does good poop look like? 
look like? Okay. So um, I guess if you're looking at color, let's start off with color because that's mm-hmm. something I think people notice right away. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be like a, a medium brown, right? Medium to yes. dark. It shouldn't be too dark, but a medium brown. And then when you're looking at texture, it should be soft, fully formed. Um, some people refer to them log shaped or sausage shaped. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, ideally it should come out in a continuous log. Sometimes it can break up into one or two pieces, which is fine. Mm-hmm. Um, the best kind of poop is the S-shaped, soft <laughs> sausage with a little pinch at the end. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? When you have the best poop, it just ties it up and is done. Um, uh, another thing is I tell people, pay attention, does your poop float? It shouldn't float, right? It should mm. hit the water, sink down. Um, and when you flush, it should break apart. It shouldn't just, it yeah. shouldn't look like it's going down like a solid, uh, rock solid piece of, um, like a stick right it Mm -hmm. should break apart and nicely flush and Mm -hmm. I think it's also key to notice um odor even though we don't see it like let's talk about odor as well it Mm -hmm. shouldn't smell really really bad if your poop is enough to stink up a washroom and you're looking for um aerosol or some kind of spray to cover it up you know something's off right of Mm -hmm. course poop isn't it's not a pleasant smell but it should have a faint smell and you flush and it should kind of dissipate right away mm-hmm. so there's like the feel of it the look of it and the smell of it I would say for sure yes and the and the the look of it is important and that can it's such a good telltale sign of how healthy and what's going on inside because I mean there's the the Bristol stool the Bristol chart. chart yeah yeah the stool chart and around I mean our listeners can references, they can look it up on Google, but it's also like, it's, it's on a scale of one to seven. So usually around three or four is it's a good poop. I mean, four is like this nice, smooth glide. It should just, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It should just come right out. And I'll be honest times in my life when I've been constipated, I mean, it feels like crap, literally, (laughs) Literally. (laughs) you cannot everything. Yes. You cannot focus in life, but some people do not even realize that they are constipated. So how many times should we be pooping? Okay. So I know this is going to confuse and blow some people's minds, but I, I tell everyone one to two times is okay. is good. You should be striving. Three is ideal. A day. Three, a day. Three times a day, a day. Um, I think there is a little bit of a difference between uh, as holistic practitioners, what we view as normal and what um, the, like an allopathic doctor might view as Mm -hmm. normal, because I know, you know, we have difference of opinion and regularity, but I would definitely say whether you're looking at children or adults, Mm -hmm. you know, I would say two, if you're sitting at two a day, you're good. Three Mm -hmm. perfect ideal. More than that could be problematic but definitely less than one a day, you're looking, mm-hmm. you're probably constipated. Mm-hmm. Now I know uh, some say doctors would, would tell their patients that two or three times a week a is week. okay. Yes. I have heard that. Um, that is, I think that is their rule of thumb less than three times a week would be considered constipation. Mm-hmm. I don't agree with that. I feel like if you're sit, if you're pooping three times a week or even four times a week, there's something wrong, but you just don't know it. You know, mm-hmm. you've gotten used to it. You're just 
you know, you don't even realize that you're constipated. And so I think people who are used to not pooping regularly, they they're fine with it. But then Mm -hmm. when it gets to a point where they're not pooping at least three times a week, that's when it clicks for them. And that's Mm -hmm. when they go to the doctor. And I think that's why when they look at averages, doctors are like, yeah, it looks like you've only feel discomfort around less than three times a week, but Mm -hmm. it's not that it's not the case. It's really just our own ignorance and lack of self-awareness. I, I think we got to train our minds a bit better regarding our, our health. Yeah. Absolutely. Because when you think about it, everything that we eat has to be Removed. processed. Yeah, yeah. Processed and eliminated. Okay. Yeah. So there's a journey. I mean, it starts in the mouth when we think about the digestive tract and it ends at the anus. Yeah. So when that food goes, you know, down the esophagus into the stomach, it gets processed in there, it's got to go then in through the small intestine. Yeah. And the small intestine, I mean, in adults is about 20 to 22 feet, which is a very feet, which is a very long journey. Now the colon is a little bit shorter. It's about six feet. And that's where uh, everything is getting now, like what's happening in the colon. Let's tell our listeners what's exactly happening in the colon. Once everything goes through the small intestine, the food, the nutrients are then extracted from our food. Yep. And I want to point out when we eat this overly processed food, what are we really extracting in terms of nutrients? Probably nothing. And not only are we not extracting anything, we are unnecessarily adding all these toxins. And if you think about bad fats and all these sticky, gooey, like literally imagine all this gunk just kind of clogging up your intestines. You don't Mm -hmm. have enough lubrication. You don't have um, the bulk and it's real. it really is useless. And it makes you feel overly full, but not Mm -hmm. because of the lack of nutrients. Your brain gets the signal that you're still hungry. Because your, your, your nutritional needs haven't been satisfied. So then what are you going to do? You're going to go back and eat some more garbage. It's just a never ending cycle. Absolutely. Absolutely. Good point. So let's just tell our listeners what exactly is happening once the, the food or the waste gets to the colon. So basically when it gets to that point, our body has excreted or sorry, it, it has um, absorbed Extract. a lot, yes. yeah, uh, uh, extracted and absorbed a lot of and all the nutrients that it needs because mm-hmm. all our organs and they all have different requirements, require different minerals and vitamins and whatever it is. And the excess stay, it, it processes through the large intestine and creates feces, which is our mm-hmm. poop, right? And it forms it. And the, the reason why I say good poop is S-shaped and, and sausage-shaped and everything is really because it mimics the shape and size of the large intestine. Mm -hmm. And with the contracting muscles, it helps push it out slowly and it brings it to the anus, which at that point you should have that trigger, okay, I've got a poop. And that's when, you know, that's basically where it exits the body and it leaves the body as waste. But if it doesn't leave your body as waste, what is it doing? It's hanging out in your large intestine. So you basically have an accumulation of waste garbage sitting there and kind of rotting in a sense in your large intestine. Mm -hmm. So that's why I think we've had this discussion before. It boggles the mind when you're pooping less than three times a week or even three times a week at most. 
-hmm. what is happening to that poop? It's really just sitting there causing bloating, gas formation. You feel, you can feel nauseous. You can feel stomach cramps. You feel um, hungry constantly, or you feel the opposite. You feel like you can't eat anything because mm -hmm. you have a general feeling of fullness. Mm -hmm. Yeah, those are some major symptoms. And and some people might get headaches and migraines. Even a fever in children. Oh, wow. Yeah, let's talk more about the kids. So remember when kids are babies, they're pooping all the time. Their systems are working amazingly. They're processing everything that they're taking in, yeah. right? And that's why they're pooping so much. But as they get older, some kids start to get constipated. Yeah. Now, what causes some of this constipation in kids? In kids. Okay. I, I would say from my own children and just from clients as well, mm -hmm. there's quite a few reasons for constipation. Mm -hmm. I, I would personally say right now, the top two are mm -hmm. stress and food, but we'll get to there. There's more, there's def, there's a lot more reasonings for that, but yeah. stress, I feel like we don't understand the effect of stress on the body. And mm -hmm. for that, I think if you just think about, you don't have to be a child, just an adult, when you're stressed, what happens? We clench. We mm -hmm. don't just clench our jaw and our fists. That's not what I mean. Our muscles clench. Our nervous system is shot. And that's the same thing that happens in kids. If not anything, it's more amplified in them. And mm -hmm. so that will restrict the movement of feces through, like we said, the large intestine. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it causes constipation. Um, and another thing also along with that, stress hormones will inhibit digestive enzymes from being excreted. They also prevent, they slow down metabolism. So overall stress has a huge impact. And I feel like with the continuous use of screens and devices, kids mm -hmm. are more stressed than they even recognize. You know, they could be watching something mindlessly, but also causing a stress reaction in their body, which causes constipation. Mm -hmm. um, another thing is food. As of course, for us as nutritionists, this is a huge thing. Mm -hmm. um, and that ties into allergies. If they've been diagnosed by a doctor or you've, you've recognized that there's a, there's a consistent reaction to something could also be an intolerance or a sensitivity. Um, or it could, it's just junk, sugar, processed foods, um, refined carb, uh, bad, like bad carbs, bad fats, all of those things can um, immensely affect the way your digestive system works, right? Because it can cause inflammation mm -hmm. and um, just lack of water. So that's another huge thing, hydration. I talk about lubrication all the time when I talk about poop. You have your food, but what helps it slide out easily? What helps it stay moist mm -hmm. and come out? Because if you have dry cracking poop, that's a problem, right? That's what causes that friction and the pain and the cramping. And, um, and that's why it's hard to poop when it's all dry and, you know, cracked. So drinking enough water, mm -hmm. I think, forget about substituting with juice. We're big on giving kids juice instead of water. If your kid really, really, really can't have the water and you're desperate and they're constipated and you want an immediate solution, do juices, but water, huge, huge um, um, important thing is water. Um, another thing is medication. Mm -hmm. um, something as small as like it's allergy season right now. I know people who are giving their kids Benadryl and all those things all the time, or even as adults, you know, taking even just over the counter medication mm -hmm. can affect our gut, um, the, our gut flora. Right. And then that too will affect 
um, the way your metabolism works and your con it can cause constipation um, mm -hmm. and also medical um, conditions, things like that. But yeah. I, I love, I love the fact that you brought up stress because nobody attributes stress to a cause for constipation. But realistically, when you think about it, and huge, thing, yeah. huge, when the body is stressed, the body is in a fight or flight state, what gets halted, digestion gets halted. Yeah. So what's going to go first, it's the digestive system that's going to stop as all the, you know, blood uh, goes to the extremities, you know, moves away from the foreplane. Yeah. The like body's going to look to preserve energy and metabolism just uses too much energy when you're in a stress moment. And so they're like, let's just halt that, put yeah. that aside for later and uh, go on with our day without uh, metabolizing. So that's, yeah. Absolutely. So, so digestion is huge in kids and it's really important to regulate their nervous system. I also love that you brought up food, whether it's sensitivity or intolerance or an allergy. Now, can you give an example of something like that? Like what would be a food that maybe a child is not processing very well that could be contributing to their constipation? There are some very common offenders. And I'd say the top two would be gluten and dairy. Mm -hmm. um, and when I talk about dairy, I'm talking about conventional dairy, not like raw or, or, or fermented dairy. Mm -hmm. But um, those I see very, very, very often in children and adults, aside from the sugars and things. And also, you know, even if you have no, like we, we mentioned allergies, if you know your kid is allergic to nuts, um, for example, or seeds or whatever, those kind of foods will, uh, well, obviously nuts and seeds are very serious, but it causes inflammation. Mm -hmm. But, and we, I think um, for whatever reason in today's world, we think if you have an allergy, like an allergy, for example, that's serious. That's, that's a big deal. So let's take away the nuts and seeds because you can die or you can have an anaphylactic reaction. It's very mm -hmm. visible. So we take it seriously. But then when we're looking at sensitivities or intolerances like dairy and like gluten, it might not, it doesn't come out the same way, right? So it, you're not, you probably are not going to die. You're not going to die, but you're going to have bloating. You're going to be gassy. You're going to be moody with children. Pay attention. Children do not know how to articulate their feelings. When we're feeling constipated and we're feeling not the greatest, our mood changes and, but we're able to process it. We're like, okay, I must've eaten this and this, and this has upset my stomach. Kids don't know that. They're mm -hmm. just going to be moody. They most probably have brain fog. They're going to be hyperactive. Probably there's going to be all these behavioral changes. And we, you know, we kind of write them off as hyperactive or just like, you know, a naughty kid, but yeah. they could be really struggling internally with um, digestive issues. And a lot of these come from, yeah, like dairy and gluten. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. And it, it does, it does definitely affect their mood and their behavior when they're eating something that their body can't process very well. And we did do some episodes on food intolerances and food allergies uh, back earlier. I believe, I believe they were some of our earlier episodes, but it is such an important aspect. And when you look at a child holistically, you take all of this into account, especially when it comes to their emotional regulation. Now with kids, now I love that you said that because 
with kids, yes, their moods can be affected. So they say that we are what we eat, but in fact, we are what we can do with what we eat, like what our bodies can do with what we eat, right? And what the food does to us. Yeah, exactly. So I've heard of something one time somebody talked about corn rage. There's a thing called corn rage, apparently, where you know, whenever they would eat corn, they would, they would get really angry, right? So it is important to look at your child's mood after they eat certain foods, right? I mean, sugar is obvious. Yes. Sugar is obvious. I feel like I know when I was younger, they would say, yeah, they had sugar. So they're acting this way and it's fine, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. no one ever thinks to let, uh, to possibly moderate, moderate the intake of sugar. We just write it off. Is that just what happens? When, yeah. you know, when, when he has dairy, he just farts a lot and yeah. he has bad poops. That just happens. It's fine. Yeah. Um, and we don't take it as seriously as we should. Yeah. That is, no, that's, that's an excellent point too, because what if we do notice that our child is like their poops have changed? So, I mean, when I was little for the first 10 years of my life, I had diarrhea every day. But I was also vomiting every day. So, and I was shifted from doctor to doctor to doctor. Nobody really understood what was wrong with me. And it was, I mean, it was a digestive issue. I mean, I had so many antibiotics growing up and things like that, but I had diarrhea every single day of my life. And what should a parent do then when they notice a change in their child's poop? Because I would look at my daughter's poop like every day. Now she's at an age where I don't even know if she's going every day and it bothers me. And I ask her, I'm like, did you go to the bathroom today? She's like, yes, mom, you know, (laughs) but I want to be able to look at her poop every day. Yes. Right. But so what should parents do if they notice a change in their child's? If they notice the change, I would definitely like, for example, let's talk about some of the changes that can be possible. It's like diarrhea, right? When it's, Mm -hmm. um, it's very watery or even loose Mm -hmm. or constipated, right? I think those are the main ones that come up a lot, um, for children, for small Mm -hmm. children. There are, um, other things I think we, we could address for adults, but if we're just focusing on kids right now, Mm -hmm. um, I think the number one thing is to and I tell all my parent, um, my client's parents to first just take a beat, take a second to regroup and think about what has my child been eating? Because, mm. and when I say what has my child been eating, I don't mean like just today or just this morning. I want you to sit down and take a look at the past week. What mm. have they been eating? Because like we've talked about, we talked about the transit time. Like it is, it takes about what I think we is 18 to 24 hours. Mm-hmm. What you eat right in this moment is not exactly what you're going to see in your next poop. It very well could have been a meal you had before that, or even building up to like, you know, when you're eating inflammatory foods for m- multiple days and it builds up to it. So first of all, find out what you're eating. Second of all, remove all of the known offenders, right? Known offenders, meaning sugar, um, refined foods, processed foods, bad fats. I know it's hard. It's going to be hard. Some of your kids are going to be kicking and screaming, but I feel like over time, when you see the results, it'll be worth Mm -hmm. it. So Mm -hmm. take those away. And Mm -hmm. then the two um, other offenders that we talked about, gluten and dairy. Mm -hmm. Mind you, they might not be allergic. We're not telling you, like, I'm not saying that they're, they're, your kids are allergic to dairy or gluten, 
but it could be that they have so much inflammation that the dairy and the gluten that they're taking in is just amplifying it. So I would say number one thing is to remove these offenders. Mm -hmm. And the second thing is to think about their daily diet. How much fiber are they actually having, mm -hmm. right? If they're not having enough fiber, what is building the bulk of their poop? And with just a quick spiel on fiber, fiber actually goes in and it, it creates the bulk of the poop, but it also helps absorb toxins and crap <laughs> out of our system and pulls it into our feces that's being built into, or it's um, formed in the large intestine. Mm -hmm. And it helps keep its structure. But at the same, and also, so we're looking at how much fiber they're taking and we're gonna um, look at how much they're drinking and that water, like we mentioned before, will help lubricate. Mm -hmm. So take away the known offenders, hydrate, 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 um, add in enough fiber. But again, I think we've talked about this before, uh, like me and you, mm -hmm. if you up too much of fiber while you're already constipated, that's a recipe for disaster. So you yes. have to make sure you are over hydrating at that point when you are constipated, right? Because you don't want to put in more bulk into your large intestine without that, without that liquid. So, mm -hmm. and in cases of constipation, I tell parents to use um, prune juice. Mm -hmm. That's a great way to help pull out your, um, um, to pull the, the, that dry cracked poop that's probably sitting in your rectum near the anus that's causing a lot of discomfort for your child the prune juice will help pull it through or even pear nectar. Kids love pear nectar. It's sweet, amazing. Mm -hmm. It helps pull it out. So diet's a huge thing. Um, and like we said, stress, take mm -hmm. a look at your child's day-to-day -day life. There's a very good likelihood that they're stressed out. Yeah. There's something, it could be school, family life, over too much screen time, um, things like that, I would say to regulate up at least until you know what's going on with your child. Mm -hmm. There's, there's two things I, I want to uh, point out here. So when you say hydrate, I always say for someone to drink the amount of water that they should be drinking is half their body weight in ounces. Now for, for some people, it might even be three quarters of your body weight in ounces yeah. of water. So for a child, uh, that's also important to note. Yeah. And, and that doesn't include juice. Yes. I like, I, like I said, like prune juice and the pear nectar is great. If your kid is already constipated and you need yeah. a quick fix, mm -hmm. but when you're hydrating really stick to that classic H2O water. And if you're, you know, you're worried about measuring and you're like a, you know, you're, you feel frazzled just really remember to give your, or if you, if your child is young enough that you can just mm -hmm. every 20, 25 minutes, half an hour, get them to hydrate. Even if it's a few sips, get yeah. them to hydrate. Right. I know, like, I know parents, sometimes it's really hard to measure yeah. and they get upset about it and then they start to get obsessive. But as long as you know, and once the kid, your kid gets into the habit of drinking enough, mm -hmm. they will naturally know, okay, I'm thirsty. Oh, I'm yes. not hydrated. Like I, my mouth feels dry or I, you know, that because you've created that routine for them, they mm -hmm. will take it over. Hopefully that's the hope. Yeah. It's a great routine. Like in the morning, I always suggest parents give your child a water bottle and yeah. by a certain time in the day, this water bottle should be empty. 
Yeah, yeah. Right. And some sometimes uh, parents don't have that routine with the child. So the child is not used to drinking. Now, I also want to talk about sometimes kids get constipated because they hold their poop in withholding. Yes, you're right. A hundred percent. And so what can we do to create a routine for them for the kids that are used to holding it in? Like maybe they don't want to go at school or something like that. Yes, I I'll like I'll just touch on withholding. So withholding is a term for kids um, for, for the term for when kids actually intentionally or maybe not so consciously, they they tighten the muscles in the anus and they hold their poop. And yes. it's usually because they want to play or, um, you know, they just don't want to miss their TV show or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end, also, there are situations where a child is so constipated and there's so much feces built up in the rectum that mm-hmm. it already is causing pain that they're afraid to poop. They're afraid to go to the washroom because of the, you know, they're like, okay, if I go, it's going to hurt. And I'm, so I'm not going to do it. I'm just not going to do it. So that those are some of the reasons with withholding and um, I building a routine is super important. And that I feel like we have to set aside some time and be a little bit more involved with the child in the beginning and say, okay, let's go. Okay, this morning we had some water. Um, You know, some people, some kids need to poop right out of the gate, but a a lot of times it's like they need to get up, they need to move around, move their bodies. Another huge important thing, I don't know if I mentioned this already, but with constipation, inactivity can cause constipation. So get your kid to move, stretch, you know, don't just get up and go sit on the couch and watch TV. Get up, do a little bit, have your breakfast, and then be like, okay, we're not going to go to school today until we poop. We got to poop. We poop first, and then we go to school. And you're going to get some pushback in the beginning. And there's going to be plenty of times where they sit on the toilet for the longest time. You're going to be late to school, and they'll be like, I don't have to poop. I don't have to poop. Mm-hmm. It, it, it takes time to build a routine, but you have to keep at it. And they'll mm-hmm. thank you for it later, right? Because once you set it, it becomes, it kind of gets ingrained in you. And mm-hmm. as you get older, it carries on, right? So building a routine and making sure they're pooping. And then when they come home after, it could be before, after dinner, did you poop? Why don't you go, te- why don't you take a book with you? <laughs> Grab a book and go sit down, take it easy and, you know, relax and go sit down. Mm-hmm. No devices. <laughs> yeah. It's important to build a habit and, and, and a daily habit. Yeah. I mean, everyone has their own kind of bowel habit yeah. and it really, it depends, but it's important to train the body because we want to get that uh, peristalsis. We want to get that movement. Yeah. We want to be able to uh, get the brain to be triggered to go to the bathroom. And I like that you said about the exercise yeah. because that's also for adults too. That's a huge a huge aspect um, in constipation because the body cannot do what it needs to do if we're completely sedentary. Our bodies are meant to move and in order to move- Gotta get the blood flowing, yep. Exactly, exactly. We gotta get the blood flowing. Now, when kids are little, they do squat for poop. And in, you know, some third world countries or different countries, I mean, I wouldn't call them third world at this point, in some I feel like a lot of countries outside of the the first world nation like UK maybe and like in North America a lot of countries still like you say squat exactly so I feel like that is 
helps our natural, our body's natural way of like the way the colon sits for things to pass through. Now we've been, we're far from squatting in this country in North America, but I do have a squatty potty, they call yeah. it. Yeah. And so would you recommend that people, you know, adjust their position when they are going to the bathroom? Definitely, definitely. I'm so glad you brought that up because it's so true. Mm -hmm. Our position, when you think about the Western toilet, we sit and we slouch and we bend and our intestine is like, it's folded in a sense mm -hmm. and we don't allow it to smoothly, um, you know, excrete through with, with the help of gravity, which is what our body's built to do. Mm -hmm. And like you said, if you look at kids, we didn't teach them that. Babies know once they start walking, they sit there and they crouch and they poop yeah. because that is what has been coded in our DNA. And that's just the way we're supposed to do things. Mm -hmm. It's not until we're taught to sit on a toilet that we get into that habit. So I 100% um, agree with the squatty potty. Um, I also, so we don't have a squatty potty, but we all use stools. My, me, my, my husband, my kids, we have stools that we prop our feet up on so that at least it's at um at a at the same level as our intestines our knees are elevated our butt is it's it's pushed down more and it helps poop come out much better and honestly when kids are constipated sometimes I tell them just go sit and crouch crouch yeah. down play with your legos play with your cars read a book while you're crouching and help push that poop down yeah, and there's also uh, a lot of yoga exercises too yeah. that people do, right? Like they do yeah. some spinal twist and these kind of exercises that can also help. So it really is also like the alignment of the body. When the body is well aligned, then yeah. your it has an easier way to way. pass the you know to make to create bowel movements, right? So yeah. I also feel like structural alignment is important. Well. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Now I want to talk a little bit about things like uh, a, a little bit about say a, uh, what do you call it? Restorolax, for example. Laxatives. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. A remedy such as Restorolax. Yes. So a lot of times I will meet people that tell me that their child is on Restorolax and sometimes it becomes a long-term solution. Yeah. Now, I don't feel that laxatives or things like stool softeners should be a long-term solution. What are your thoughts on that? Same. Um, and it's, it's funny you mentioned that because I feel like recently I have noticed it even more so. Yes. Um, you know, parents have come to me and told me that their kids are constipated. The doctor tells them, don't worry about it too much. Here's some Restorolax. Restorolax. And they don't actually tell them that to take it short term. Um, or maybe they do and parents, you know, don't heed um, their instructions. But I do see kids continuously on laxatives. Um, things like, like you said, a stool softener or a laxative, they're a Band-Aid. They really are. If you're really in a bind and you feel like you have no other option, your kids, um, you know, they're not drinking the water. They're not drinking the prune juice. You can't get them to poop and you need to use it the one time. No judgment here. It's a it's hard kids. It's ra raising kids. It's hard. You have a lot on your plate. Do it. Yes. 
But then once they poop the one time, learn from it, change your diet, change your lifestyle. What happens when we take laxatives long-term? Our muscles, we're, like I mentioned in the large intestine, a huge important part are the muscles. They crunch and um, they contract and they help push things along. When you take a laxative, you um, artificially trigger this contraction. You're also over absorbing water from your body into the intestine. So now you're causing dehydration. Mm -hmm. You're also causing mineral deficiencies. Um, and you're, again, artificially forcing, you're kind of like flushing that poop out. Mm -hmm. What happens over time, kids are going to start um, experiencing a lot of bloating, gassing, abdominal pain. Um, the, these muscles that should naturally know how to contract and expand on their own no longer will have the ability to work on their own um, mm -hmm. if they're taken long term. And mm -hmm. so, and, and because of long term mineral and dehydration, you're going to have other diseases linked to that. So I always am against, um, especially long-term use of laxatives. I, I, I completely agree. So if a child is in a chronic situation where they need to get it out, absolutely use the laxative. And after that, work on the root causes. Yeah, find the root right. cause. It is so much easier to do the laxative. I get it. We've all been there, but you, you're really, you're really just going to get stuck in this vicious cycle. So you have to put in the work, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Now, sometimes kids do have a compromised digestive system yeah. and they do have maybe some gut flora imbalance or some uh, small intestinal overgrowth. Uh, how often do you see this in kids? I feel like I see it often, but, um, you know, the good thing about when it's in kids, it's so easily treatable. It's yes. so much harder in adults. Um, so it, it is a lot more difficult for me to work with adults when they have these kind of compromised and, um, digestive systems, but with kids, it really comes down to their diet. Yes. A lot of the time, unless they have, you know, a serious medical condition, some things are out of our control, yeah. but in these cases, like we mentioned about fiber. Fiber is actually a prebiotic, right? A good source of fiber helps feed our gut flora. So we, I, I think it's a buzzword right now, right? Probiotics, probiotics. Everyone talks yes. about probiotics um, and you know having good gut bacteria. That's great. Giving your kids probiotics is amazing. And I think everyone should, because you know, in our Western, in the Western world, we don't have enough fermented foods. Um, but then that fiber, you got to have that fiber in your diet to feed the bacteria, feed that bacteria, let it grow, multiply. And kids really do bounce back really quick if you hmm. do get to it quick enough and you find the root cause. So I do see it, but I do see that it's really, it's reversible. Kids are so resilient. They really are. They yeah. really are. And like when you talk about fiber, some parents may not even know what types of food have fiber. Yes. So what are some like great foods to include in a child's diet to yeah. give them a better chance at uh, having a great bowel, having great bowel movements every day wow. or a good digestive system? Yeah. So the lucky thing I feel like is a lot of foods, a lot of yummy foods have fiber, right? Mm -hmm. So you're looking at raw fruits and veggies, Berries, every kids, I feel like all kids love berries. You know, give them a berry, give them a smoothie. They're gonna love it. 
smoothies, I'm uh, sorry, berries for sure. Mm -hmm. Leafy greens. Okay, yes, I know. So cruciferous vegetables, leafy greens, that's where you get a little bit pushback. But guys, we can cook it down, hide it in other foods, yeah. right? You can mash them up, but they're a great source of fiber. Um, sweet potato, sweet potato, another, it's so good. It is one of the best. I feel like my kids love sweet potato because it is sweet, but mm -hmm. it's also healthy and a great source of fiber. Avocados, um, pears, apples, all these kind of, there's so many great ways to get your fiber in. Mm -hmm. um, and I do, you know, there are a lot of times when I talk to, to parents and they are struggling to get that food into their kids' um, meals, but there's so many recipes online. The internet is just overflowing with mm -hmm. awesome ways to hide good fibrous foods in other foods. So yeah, mm -hmm. and, and luckily a lot of them are really, really tasty. Oh yeah, and, and kids, you're right, kids love berries. Yeah. Even, even vegetables like green beans. Uh, lentils, yeah, sorry, yeah. Yeah, you're oh, yes. right, lentils and beans, yeah. You know, green beans and uh, lentils, legumes, like that, yeah. kids also love those kind of foods as well. And actually talk to us a little bit about beans and this gassiness that happens. Like what's the deal with the beans? So I, I don't know if you follow Dr. Gundry. I love Dr. Gundry. Um, he talks a lot about lentils and beans and lectins. So they do say that there is a protein in these foods that does make us really gassy, especially the way we harvest vegetables nowadays. We, mm -hmm. we prematurely harvest them. So they're, you know, over time, ripe ripe vegetables kind of reduce their lectin amount but when we all harvest these foods too early they uh, they tend to be really rich in lectins and they cause a lot of digestive issues so i always say um because i do discourage canned um beans yeah. and 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 lentils and things like that when you're getting dry uh beans legumes lentils get them dry soak them soak soak mm -hmm. soak overnight if you can as long as you can change out the water, put in some fresh water, soak it, and then pressure cook it or cook it under high heat and pressure. And you'll mm -hmm. find that um, it will, you, you won't be as gassy. And also along with that, if you're improving your gut health and you're having mm -hmm. your probiotics and you're feeding your gut um, prebiotics and your bacteria is really good, you're going to be able to handle those legumes and beans and you won't mm -hmm. be that gassy. I always talk to clients and they always have a significant change in their reaction to beans and legumes. Yeah. I absolutely agree. I, we soak all of our beans and yeah. there's, there's not an issue once yeah. you soak them at least for 12 hours, at hundred percent, eight, eight yeah. to 12 hours, I would yes. say. And I like to go in and switch, change the water too. Oh, if absolutely. You can in between, right. Cause a lot of that stuff comes into the water. Yes. Dump, dump it out and put in some fresh water. I also know that a lot of people put, add, there's a seaweed called kombu. Mm -hmm. If you add kombu to, and it's, it's pretty flavorless when you add it to your food, but you boil the kombu in with your legumes and beans, and it also helps it be less gassy, but oh. a great source of fiber, a great source of protein. If you are vegetarian, especially like, it's just really good. Oh, and wow. we miss nuts and seeds, nuts and seeds. If you're not allergic, a great source of fiber as well. Some of my favorites are chia seeds yes. and hemp seeds. Yeah. And one time we had a family sleepover and she has multiple kids. Uh, I think there was six of them at that time. And I made my famous uh, pancakes and I always put chia seeds in the pancake batter. And she said they had the best bowel movements the <laughs> next day. 
<laughs> right? So it's really amazing when you can, and you see the difference from the yeah. foods that you eat, you can see the difference in your bowel movements. And I just want to point out one thing too, for adults, a very good remedy is magnesium. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Right? Now, would you say for kids, kids too? Yeah. For kids too. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, I feel like a lot of our fruits and vegetables, like it's, you can't compare the mineral content content to what it was a long time ago. Mm -hmm. So we do have less sources of good magnesium. Yeah. Um, but especially when you're stressed, you're yes. depleted, you're usually depleted of magnesium. So I do see adults, I feel like a lot of them, they react so well to magnesium. I yes. ask them to take magnesium and they're pooping happily the next day. Um, for kids, it's the same situation, but it also, like we talked about stress, kids sometimes are stressed. They don't know they're stressed. So yeah. they're not going to tell you. They might not even recognize what's going on with them. So, you know, just adding a little magnesium in there helps them, you know, before bed, helps them de-stress, but also helps them in the morning have a good bowel movement. I'm totally for magnesium, but you have to, I always um, suggest when supplementing with anything, you talk to a, um, a certified practitioner because you have to look at dosages and yes. what um, forms are best for you. Yes, absolutely. Good point. And for our listeners, the magnesium serves as a muscle relaxant. Yes. So it helps the body to move the waist through. So I think we've covered quite a bit here oh, and uh, yeah. I'm I feel like so... we could go on longer, but there's no time. <laughs> we could talk about this for days. Actually, it could be an entire course. Yes, totally. But I love, love, loved having you on. You provided us with so much wisdom today. I mean, we talked about uh, the types of foods, why a child is constipated, uh, what to do if, if you suspect constipation in your child, how to remedy uh, your child's diet in order to help them have good bowel movements. Talked a little bit about when to see a, uh, a certified practitioner or a doctor. Yeah. And, you know, some of the things that you can do to have healthy, healthy poop. And yeah. I just want to say that it is one of the most important aspects of health. I just want to reiterate that again. What do you want to leave our listeners with on this topic? I, I think I would, I would ask the listeners and just like I ask all my clients to pay more attention to your body. Mm -hmm. um, don't just get caught up in the motions of everything, you know, especially when you are pooping now that you have all this information, take the extra second to think about, am I bloated? Do I pass gas a lot more than I should? You know, how smelly is my poop? am I taking too long to poop? How do, how do my poops feel? You know, things like that, just be a little bit more self-aware. Um, mm -hmm. and then you'll be able to figure out a lot more about your own health that you didn't, you weren't aware of before. Mm -hmm. Now, if you want to connect with Jenny, she's one of the most, I have to say, brilliant nutritionists that I know. Yeah, I, yeah. Love, <laughs> I love our conversations. So where can our listeners find you? You can find me at iamgood.ca. Um, you can message me there or you can uh, find me on Instagram, iamgoodwellness on Instagram. Um, message me, call me, email, anything. I'm always available. And you also have a wellness magazine. Can you just tell us briefly I about that? I do have a wellness. I have a new wellness magazine. It's going through a format shift. 
Um, it's called I'm Good Magazine. It was like a, a digital flip magazine. I'm turning that into a website. So it'll be a little bit more, um, you know, like a dynamic. So yeah, I'm excited about that. It's a health and wellness magazine for women and teens, tweens, everyone. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so, so much for being here today. Uh, Thank you for I having me. Oh, thank you. I hope that these uh, these insights will definitely help you and your family and feel free to, to message Jenny if you have any questions that are poop related or, or other, or other <laughs> health, health related questions. It thank all starts you. at the poop though. All starts at the poop. Absolutely. So have a great rest of the day and we will be back next week. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us on the I Am Mom Parenting Journey. If you enjoyed today's episode, please follow us and head on over to iTunes to leave us a review. We invite you to check out the show notes for this episode and click on the link to join our free Facebook community to stay connected and continue the conversation with other like-minded moms. Until next time, stay inspired, take action, and create magic.